Hi, I'm Julie Bindle, and this podcast is slightly different to my usual format because I'm going to do a deep dive into surrogacy and the trade behind it, or big fertility, as I call it. So can I ask you why Indian intended parents wish their baby to be carried by a white woman? Because they're afraid that it may turn black. I don't understand how you hire a woman to be your circuit, never meet her, never be able to speak to her. How do you know that she's not being forced to do this by her husband? How can you know? On April the 3rd, 2020, the Child Parent Security Act, CPSA, passed in New York, meaning that commercial or compensated surrogacy is now legal in the state of New York. Similar laws are in place in 46 other US states. But to those who consider commercial surrogacy to be dangerous and exploitative, the CPSA has effectively sanctioned the pimping of pregnancy. As demand for surrogate mothers increases, so does the likelihood that women will be coerced into the arrangement by abusive husbands or boyfriends, not to mention the associated health risks for the woman giving birth. Gestational surrogacy is where the egg and the sperm, the embryo, are formed from material belonging to either commissioning parents or from egg and sperm donors. The embryo is then transferred into a mother who carries the baby to term for the parents. The New York law allows for commercial gestational surrogacy in which the birth mother has not contributed any of her own genetic material and for commissioning parents to be named on the birth certificate. Under this law, if the birth mother changes her mind and wishes to keep the child, she will have no legal right to do so. It also requires that the baby produced from a surrogate pregnancy be born in New York, but not that the surrogate mother is a New York resident. Feminist and other human rights organisations desperately tried to challenge this legislation, but it passed anyway. Traditional surrogacy, also known as partial surrogacy, involves the surrogate's eggs being fertilised with the sperm of the intended father. This remains illegal in US law. In the UK, commercial surrogacy is banned, but there are regular attempts by industry profiteers to introduce it. In Ukraine, more than 2,000 children are born through surrogacy every year. The majority of commissioning parents are foreign heterosexual couples. During Covid lockdown and the subsequent war, Business continued, and clinics merely stored the babies until intended parents were able to travel to collect them. Surrogate mothers continued to be sourced across the country and would give birth in collective housing facilities. For the women that opt to become surrogate mothers, who are usually poor and often from marginalised backgrounds, it's primarily a way to earn money. Surrogates in the US can receive between 42 and 75,000 US dollars with the price rising for carrying more than one embryo to increase the chances of the pregnancy holding and, in some cases, to provide a discount on two or more babies being born at once, rather than charging for separate pregnancies. There are also currently no laws in New York regulating the number of embryos that may be placed into a surrogate mother, leaving the surrogate at risk if too many are implanted. It isn't just multiple births which increase the risk to surrogates. The risk of a life-changing or life-ending complication rises with each pregnancy. 
So let's hear from one of those who helps arrange surrogacies. Everything from sourcing the egg donor and the surrogate mother to organising the contract between the commissioning parents and the surrogate, legal parentage status and birth certificates. Dee Gulati is practice manager at Surrogacy for All, a full surrogacy service which recruits potential surrogates and egg donors. The intended parents choose their egg donor based on looks, height, medical history and IQ level. I met with Gulati along with his surrogacy programme coordinator Brenda Garcia at Surrogacy for All on Fifth Avenue, New York. The offices are inside an opulent building full of marble, antiques and huge bouquets of fresh flowers. Gulati, who also lobbied for legal commercial surrogacy, has many Indian egg donors to meet the demand of his New York-based Indian commissioning parents. We started by talking about the financial cost. Uh, we offer surrogacy at three price points at the present time. In Ghana, we offer it for India, we offer actually 39,000 for Indians for Indian origin. And it's still legal, but it may disappear very soon. Uh, we offer surrogacy in Ghana for 49,000, and this is for people who have existing embryos. We're offering it right now in Ukraine and now in Georgia, where a lot of the businesses move from Ukraine to Georgia for about $59,000. And in the US, it's offered for about $120,000. In the US, do you mean California and here, or yeah. just here? In California, it's more expensive. Mm. In California, we've been flooded with Chinese couples who are looking for U.S. surrogacy. And the reason for that is because many of them, the U.S. laws say that if your child is born or your baby is born in the U.S., the child gets U.S. citizenship automatically. They wanted surrogate, if they're in Britain, for example, and we get quite a few of those right now, especially Indians in Britain, uh, they want Indian egg donors, but they also want the baby to be carried by a Caucasian mother. Until this time, as you see the price tag, when suddenly the racial differences disappear. So can I ask you why Indian intended parents wish their baby to be carried by a white woman? Because they're afraid that it may turn black if it's carried by a black surrogate. And we go and trying to tell them that that's not true. The, co the color of your uh, surrogate mother has nothing to do with it. The important thing is the health uh, of the mother, and they don't believe us. The other thing that's kind of interesting is that when intended parents come looking for egg donors to create their embryos, because many couples are in their 50s by the time they come to us, um, they want the egg donors to not only be like them, but to look like their twin sister. And I found that the women are often more picky about what the egg donor should be rather than the man is. Because men are tend to be, they look at a picture and say, oh, that's, she's pretty, I'll take her. Mm. Um, but the woman goes beyond, far beyond that. So well, I want a girl who's... Um, at least five feet seven, uh, who looks like uh, Miss Universe, and uh, and on and who's got a, at least a MD degree. So she wants she identifies with the egg donor. Yes. Because obviously it would be her egg, were it not for her infertility. Correct. Yeah. 
And she wants somebody that Lisa is good if I'm better than her. And some of the these are pretty more prettier than she is. So um, the other option, of course, is she wants a twin sister who doesn't exist. Right. And we go through this dance, it usually takes about a year from the time to come here till they finally said, okay, um, I'm willing to come down to earth and compromise and accept a, whatever donor you can help me find. And we have found that uh, all that they really managed to do is to delay the, their um, IV process by about a year while they do this dance. We have about a thousand donors on our website right now. Where are they from, your donors, your egg donors? I would say they're from all around the world. Right. We have uh, hundreds of Indian donors, mm -hmm. Caucasian donors, black donors. I mean, naturally, right, we're Indian egg donors, we're very right. large in that sector, but we do have applicants who are of different ethnicities that jump on and want to donate. Right. Uh, most, mostly two girls that are going to school, completing their education. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, a so they could do with some extra income when they're going through college. Yeah. Yeah, Indian Act Donors, which is our uh, affiliated company, we will answer, is the largest Indian egg donor service agency in the world right now. Uh, we have maybe over 50% of the U.S. market for Indian egg donors, and oh, we're the only source in the world where you can actually get FDA certified eggs uh, that are FDA certified and also meet all the requirements of the FDA for use all around the world. FDA? Federal Drug Administration, of US course. government. So you're getting US government certified eggs from a US government certified agency, uh, which are not one of the biggest problems that people have is when they get frozen eggs or, or an egg donor to donate, they're concerned about the quality of the eggs they're getting. How do I know these eggs are good? So what we do is we ensure that the only eggs, first we spend a lot of time screening our donors, and then you want to make sure that the uh, eggs are M2 quality, which is the top quality. And of course, they're a little bit expensive, $16,000 for six eggs. But um, from six eggs, you should get uh, three embryos on an average, and at least one, maybe two babies. So it's, it's not a bad price. Right, and this must have revolutionized your business with the change in the law. How did it come about? Because one minute commercial surrogacy is illegal, mm. and the next minute it looked like it was just included in was the mayor's bill, wasn't it, from recollection? Yes. Had there been lobbying prior yes. to that? Yes. yes. It took them many years to get surrogacy legalized in New York State. And now it's, I believe, you're quite right. Uh, we, we believe, actually as I'm gearing up for this right now, we expect a huge surge of Europeans coming to New York, just as the Chinese have gone to California for surrogacy over here. Um, Right now, the waiting list is not bad. You can get your surrogate in about a month or two. But we expect that as the masses come from Europe, instead of going to Ukraine, then the uh, waiting list is only longer and longer. So the sooner they come to us, the better it's going to be. The second thing is that uh, we believe also that the wild, uh, you know, Ukraine and of course, uh, Georgia, and you do uh, place people over there too, provide certain advantages in terms of cost because it's cheaper. 
like it's 59,000 in Georgia. You can get the same low cost um, in, in Kana, GHA, for providing the surrogacy, but we believe that people in Britain, um, who many of my friends and relatives were here, would like to have the children have US citizenship. And so the the question comes up is, would you rather save $50,000 and go to an overseas location, or would you rather spend the extra 50000 and come to the U.S. where you're going to get better medical care, right. state-of-the-art facilities, and uh, the chance of a beautiful and better future for your children in the U.S. Plus, they can go backwards and bring in the parents also and get them green cards and mm here. -hmm. I didn't think of that. So it's a, um, that's why the Chinese are paying about $200,000 in California right now. So they can have dual citizenship for their children. Yes. And is sex selection legal? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's contingent on your clinic too, right? So a lot of parents, you have a handful of parents that want it. So they work uh, with clinics that will do that. Mm. For a lot of the doctors, they tend to be a little hesitant to do the probing, but... We do have a lot of clients that want yeah. to know. And what we, we, we provide it automatically. Right. It, it's about, I think, a few thousand dollars yeah. more for mm -hmm. sex selection. Yeah. So tell me how the law came about. Because reading it where I am, it was as though it just came out of thin air. Clearly, it didn't. What was the process leading up to it? Well, I worked with an attorney for a lot of years who was one of the people on the board advocating for this and along with supporters like Mr. Gulati who pushed for this law as well. Um, it literally came into effect, I want to say 2019, if I'm not mistaken, June of 2019. And just a lot of parents requesting the same-sex couples too with the movement right. uh, of the community. You, you know, they felt a lack of family, right? And mm -hmm. so you fight for your right. And I think that a lot of that attention was brought to the forefront from just family in general. And even now, we have clients who are fighting to have surrogacy within their insurance policies. Really? Are, we're all not able to have children or same sex or complications. So yeah, you're, you're hearing it a lot of, um, and you're seeing a lot of, I wouldn't say a lot, speaking out of term, but there are companies now that are re-evaluating that piece in the insurances and adding it for the start of the year. And so I've been hearing clients say, I work for an airline, a gentleman who came here, and he works for a major airline, and it turns out that they have surrogacy coverage. I mean, there are really? limitations as to what they pay, right? But it, it, is a, it is a definitely um, great step in the right direction because this has always been taboo. This is quite incredible. I didn't think of the insurance side of it. Yeah, actually, you didn't ask me the right questions. Well, let me tell you what you should have asked me. Is he said, <laughs> what about uh, LGBT couples? Mm -hmm. So what a smart uh, person from Britain would do, if they twisted my, my arm, is they would call us up and say, you were coming to the US, can you arrange to get health insurance for us in the US from the state of New York? Now watch what you just did. It's 500 a month, it's not that expensive. So you come down over here, we'll set you up with your local IVF center in New York. You go, go to them, uh, tell them you want to create your embryos. You can create, instead of spending 20,000 free embryos, you buy them for $500, which is your insurance cost. Right. 
or a thousand for two, three months with insurance. So now your immigration cost has dropped by substantially. You just said $15,000 in creating your embryos. And once the embryos are ready, if you're an LGBT couple, you can take those same embryos and either ship them overseas to an overseas carrier, or you can better still uh, have Brenda find you a surrogate mother over here. Mm -hmm. and, and we have surrogacy. We have Caucasian, Mexican, black, you know, all kinds of mm -hmm. surrogates available. And, um, then, you know, and that way you can uh, pretty well keep the cost to a minimum. When you say LGBT couples, do you mean gay yeah. male couples? Gay male, gay female. But do you have lesbians who use surrogacy services? Yeah, all the time. You do? We do. So is that because they don't want to carry or they're, too, or they're older women and they can't? Carry healthily? Both or all three? Well, all different, right? Scenarios. Uh, one partner can be compromised, one partner doesn't want to carry. Right. Um, two partners are healthy, but they don't want to carry. Right. You know, uh, two partners are healthy, but the equality because of the age, uh, no good. So those avenues. Um, and sometimes it's a really cool, unique situation where one partner wants to have something connected, right? Mm -hmm. so, so as if you were in a relationship here, and then I would take your egg and carry it. So one would carry the egg the of egg. the other. Correct. And she would be the always carrier I in see. the relationship without identifying roles, right? I see. So it's like, you do it. Right. <laughs> I'll pay. <laughs> yeah, and actually for British LGBT couples, um, the U.S. is perhaps the only and the best option yes. because, for example, in Ukraine and Georgia, you cannot, they will not work with LGBT couples, nor will they in virtually most of the countries in the world. Because of prejudice. Yes, of course. Hidden prejudice. Yes. <laughs> um, tell me about your surrogates, where you find them, who they are, why they want to be surrogates. So surrogates apply from all over the nation. These are moms, they're either working moms, stay-at-home moms, or actually going back to school, all different races. Um, they're very unique stories. So we do advertising, but honestly, this field is really about word of mouth. And so with one surrogate having an awesome experience with a really great agency, good coordinators, keeping them happy abreast, and in line, they share the information with fellow girlfriends. And I have a girl today who's going to vet a friend in. Right. It's also a residual, right? You you do get a referral fee for that. It's, it's just a, a nice incentive. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, they apply and there are reasons. We've had women in conversations that they were anointed to do this. We've had women who have lost their best friends to cervical cancer, dying wishes to have children, so now they want to put it forward. You also have the woman who's in her 50s who feels the vibration of wanting another child, but physically or mentally, you know, uh, we don't want to necessarily do it. So there are women that are a little bit in a better age bracket that feel the same vibe and they clear with their OB. You know, they want to have a child, but they don't want to keep a child. Yes. So why not do it for someone? So they like being pregnant. 100%. We have, we have your foreign style women too. They enjoy the pregnancy itself, the right. element of pregnancy for aesthetics, right? Because um, the hair, the right. nail, the skin, um, and then also the euphoria that happens, right? The joy. Right. And so when we have moms that have 
multiple children do work with like what I would like to call Brady Bunch families. So we have women that have three, four plus children. That's an amazing carrier. You know, um, just by default, that's going to be a great process. But then they also get tested and all that other stuff. And what do you pay? That what do they get paid? Is there a flat rate or does it? So in California, because of the friendly laws there, which are easily done, and, and the paperwork is moved legally and rapidly. And the Chinese and the demand Chinese. being yeah. created. Yeah. Um, in California, because of the pizzazz, if you will, carriers can start anywhere at 55 and above. So 55 would be a first-time carrier, 65 would be a secondary carrier. When you do it second time, you can actually negotiate your fees all the way to 83000 So your carriers in California, friendly laws, awesome environment, you know, they're seeing the green, so they think food is awesome, organic, what have you there. In other areas, for the most part, there are agencies that are paying um, the, the carrier 40000 um, As we were... He was sharing with you, right? This is not only a boutique style, but we, we're family-oriented. And so we want to also accommodate the carriers of moms. So we start our surrogates at 45. And then our twin women, again, there's a difference in fee. If you're carrying twins going right in, your fee automatically would start at 55. Right. But the standard base for us in our agency versus what the world is paying, they're still in 35.40. We pay our surrogates 45,000 fairly. Our law is about to change so that there's no stipulation that women have to have had their own child before they carry. So it is very important. Um, as a mother myself, I know the hormone levels and changes and nuttiness that happens. For a woman that's never experienced it, it would be quite shocking and riveting. So we do not accept women. Yeah, we children. prefer one, preferably two kids, mm -hmm. uh, because we, if you come to me and say, oh, I'm a single girl in her 20s, right. I never had kids, never been pregnant, right. we, we would not accept you as a surrogate mother. Do you have single men, straight men? We do, we have both single straight men and same-sex men as well, right. who are venturing now, um, you know, they just, just like any other person in this world hasn't found their match. So um, we facilitate everything. We have awesome clinics. We work with one ex stellar clinic in Connecticut, um, very community friendly um, in, in the gay world, if you will, you know, with same-sex couples. Um, you know, a lot of people in the male side are very timid. They're afraid of the HIV factor and they don't come forward. But when they come, at least to me and coordinators like myself, we're able to guide them into process, right, of washing sperm and these kinds of processes. So you can actually do that. You can um, wash sperm so that there's no risk Correct. to the surrogate carrying Correct. the, the baby. And that is done in a separate facility called SPARS. Uh, it's online. Got, it's a great facility. So most doctors will refer uh, their, the sample there. And then, of course, all of the other you know, tests are done just to make sure. So they, when they marry to the egg and create the embryo, everybody's safe on both ends. But it's wonderful because we find the donor, we find the female, you know. Um, sometimes the sperm is compromised, so we're also able to direct them to the sperm bank. Um, a lot of our clients are really not, um, 
you know, they're, they're very wanting that family at the end of the day. So single or not, same sex or not, we do have a lot of single people. Um, higher now than ever, right, I would say, single individuals. Yeah, um, because of a lack of men. I'm getting a lot of calls yeah. actually from, uh, the are two uh, interesting from single men. One of them actually is a guy, he's a, his name is, he's a plumber, I won't mention his name. Um, guy was married, had two beautiful children. His wife decided one, one day that she's leaving. So she left with the kids and uh, he of course said, he said, I'd like to have, go ahead and have uh, one or two kids of my own using an egg donor and a surrogate mother so that if and when I get my next wife or girlfriend in, if she decides to leave, at least the kids stay with me. And that's facts. Gosh, that's a scenario that hadn't occurred to me. Yeah, that's, that's real. The, the second one that is coming up, which is even more prevalent, is in the New York, or at least in the U.S., uh, you cannot adopt kids once you're over 50. So we get a lot of gay and single and actually couples in who don't have any children, and they've been waiting for years at the adoption agencies and had no success in suddenly over 50 years of age. And then they come and say, okay, do you wait long enough? Can you help me have a baby? And the answer is yes. As long as you have sperm, we get you an egg donor, a surrogate mother to carry it. And within uh, 12 months, you have a beautiful, healthy baby of your own. And do you have an age limit for those that you accept? Yes, we do. So we we have a cap, right? It's, it's a 58 you know, right there, the cusp of 58, um, one has to be younger than the other. So it would be 58 or above. Um, but we may change it this year. We do have changes coming up in the new year. So we address Mr. Gulati and get his blessings on my thoughts with my colleagues. Look, if, if you're wealthy, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and uh, there, they can't. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be realistic. Let's be real, boss. <laughs> um, but the point is that, yes, a lot of the wealthier people in the U.S. Um, they'll pay top dollar to get it done. They'll pay top dollars and they'll have uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful children. So you're thinking that you could extend the age to well, couples or single people in the 60s? Some people are stopping at 55. Um, if the other partner is in there, you know, later, that's fine. So long, it's just we always keep the interest of the child, right? But we do have—I almost slipped on our name. Um, we do have high-profile clients that, you know, clearly they have children of all, and the wife is actually pregnant, but she wants to, she's actually pregnant with twins, but they have more children. So it's kind of like if they can handle, and the means are set, and of course there is a level of consideration, then yes. But for the norm, I personally try to stay away from 58, and I go a little younger because um, it's just the way we, we yeah, do it. Yeah, we prefer sort of that people are in their 40s mm -hmm. and 50s. The dynamic where they're at. It just works better. I think it's better for the kids. Yeah. How do you screen your surrogates? I mean, I'm thinking particularly of are they in a healthy relationship with their partner? Might there be any coercion? Might she be experiencing some kind of domestic abuse? So we definitely, the first part is to connect with surrogate and just get a little background, name, what you do for a living, the regular details. And then of course we ask about their relationship status. But before we ever launch a surrogacy, we are definitely running criminal background checks. We will do a home study. 
So we will hire someone, a private social worker, that will go to the home, review the home, and um, give us anything. But you know, who's we, we speaking? All, we also do a psychological. A psychological. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want exactly what you just mentioned. Right, and that happens. The psych also happens. We do have psych questions, but that also happens in clinic. If there's a partner involved, he is absolutely going to have a criminal background check. Um, provide us pay stubs, verification of employment, home, anything that we can do investigative-wise, it is legal. Presumably, she signs a contract. She would sign an NDA or a consent form with us that so she's enlisting with our surrogacy agency. And then, based off of introduction and the liking of one another, is how we, we make the match happen. And how do you monitor what she's eating, drinking, exercise, all of those kind of health-related issues during pregnancy. Again, when we vet these women, there is a, a style, if you will, taking my professional hat and just being your regular girl on the block. So, you know, there's, a, there's an attitude of what information you, and how to get that information. So if you're a Latina of Latin descent, I already know. I already know from 100 years, I'm Cuban and Colombian, I already know, and I work for an Indian company, and we have the same eating habits. So in that regard, there are certain women you don't really have to, but we, we do stress when we're looking for a vegan or a vegetarian or this and that, but honestly, when it comes to intake, a pregnant woman will eat chalk. She right. will eat coffee grinds and she will eat rice. Yes. So it's really hard to tell. Now, if the client stipulates something in the contract, then that is to be decided client to attorney and carrier. Um, with drugs, um, on top of that, that's also done at the clinic. And you can also stipulate that in your contract as well. I'm going to answer that question differently. Um, <clears throat> when we do surrogacy in Ghana, we follow the Indian model. After surrogate gets pregnant, she goes and lives in a college dorm for nine months during her pregnancy, in which her eating, food, vitamins are all monitored. So she cannot smoke, drink, do drugs, or have sex for that nine-month period. And we have had almost an 80% success rate with the surrogates once they're pregnant. <clears throat> when we do this, in, unfortunately, in Ukraine or in um, uh, Georgia, where there's a lot of alcoholism, as soon as the girls get some money in their pocket, guess what they do? They go there with them, buy a bottle of vodka and let's go party. And the prevalence of miscarriages is much, much higher over there. In the US, uh, when we screen the surrogates, um, there's less of the alcoholism as a problem of miscarriages, but uh, we try to get girls that are from a middle class or better background. Yeah, so I mean, they're from a nice middle class family. They have two kids, you know, she's staying at home watching her young kids, and she doesn't mind being a surrogate to carry one with somebody else because she can't really work because, you know, her own kids at home. That's almost like a perfect surrogate. Right. I was going to ask what your perfect surrogate would be, so you've answered my question. Yeah, I have a lovely lady in, near Atlanta, Georgia, um, who, in my mind, is She's very sweet. What's it called? Peaches and cream. Peaches. Peaches. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, lovely blonde girl. Uh, had two children. One kid was two and one was four years old, and she wanted to be a surrogate mother because she can't really go to work because she has to stay at home to watch the kids, and this was getting extra fifty thousand dollars a year while she sits at home and carries a child for somebody else is almost a no-brainer.
the perfect surrogate is that is a, a happy girl from the beginning of an it's an interview right it's a, it's kind of I, I don't always do it on the phone I like to do it on video so I can see you judge a character you know city smart so we engage that way at first and do all the relevant questions what's the most unusual or oddest request you've had from the intended parents to the surrogate during her pregnancy? You know, parents are nervous, especially parents that, people that are relinquishing this control. It's hard, right? I can tell you that I'm not going to drink orange juice because I don't want to have a reflex, but I'm going to do it. We have more of the intake concern, the food intake. Um, you know, I would prefer she doesn't eat this or that. So we can arrange where if the carrier is open to it that they can provide the means for that kind of diet during those nine mm -hmm. months. Again, we can't verify because you're gonna eat what you want to I sure. saw it any pork, but I did. Right. You know, so but the for for me and my experience is one, can she live with me <laughs> during the pregnancy? Two, will she live with me even if we get a hotel? Uh, the other is orange juice. For some reason, orange juice. I don't know what it is, but I hear that. Does she, you know, does she drink, you know, uh, pasteurized or or organic? So, so they wanted to drink orange juice, or they don't want to don't. drink it. How? It's crazy. Odd. Those are little little things. Mostly, you think the baby's gonna come out orange? I know. It's mostly about the intake that they concern themselves, or having her really, really close by. I see. Um, and then uh, other other requests are. are Satisfied, right? Can I go see her? Can I go to clinic? Yeah, you're probably all of that movement. Obviously, you've got work to do, so I'm going to make this my last question. You've been very generous with your time. What do you say to those that would describe surrogacy as exploitation of the woman and of the egg donor? As a woman, I'll speak on my behalf right now, let Mr. Gulati in. Uh, as a woman, for the most part, this is our body. This is our will, this is our desire, and um, we don't feel exploited as women in the community of surrogacy. There are a lot of wonderful women that just want to help mom. So I believe that surrogacy is really an internal desire. Um, granted, there are people in the world that want money. We will not accept it, and there is always a way to find the essence of that person out. Ultimately, I don't feel that my ladies that I work with, mothers, are um, of any point feeling exploited. Um, more questions are about their coverages, their schedules with their children, their jobs. Those are the important things to them. But ultimately that word doesn't exist in our mouths. Uh, <clears throat> in uh, India, the choice that the surrogate had was Either she can be a surrogate mother, or she can have a new roof on her hut. And she says, fine, I'd rather have a, carry the baby, have a new roof on my hut, so at least for the rest of my life, I'll have a place to live in. So it becomes a commercial thought. Um, most of the egg donors that we get over here, and we have a wonderful young lady who actually, she's a medical student in California, I don't want to mention her name. Um, beautiful girl, very charming, very sweet. She had to make a choice. She doesn't have enough money to go to medical school. Right. 
So uh, she said, okay, I'll donate my eggs six times. She gets paid about, I think, $10,000 on average, which is $60,000. We basically paid her tuition for medical school for two years or whatever. And it made the difference between becoming a doctor or not being able to pursue the career that she wanted. And there's no health risks to this? Because this is the other criticism that you hear about the surrogacy movement, okay. trade, whatever you want to call okay, it. To answer, it uh, as long as you do your examination in a certified clinic, which is FDA certified, mm -hmm. and follow the protocols the doctors recommend, it's fine. A woman at the age of 21 has about probably 200,000 to 300,000 eggs. She loses about 20 eggs every month when she has a period. So by the time she's 40 years old, she'll still have 100,000 plus eggs left over. So if she goes for an egg donation and we harvest 24 eggs from her, which is an average, at the end of the whole thing, instead of having 200,000 eggs, she'll have 199,970 eggs left, which... Um, Your math's better than mine. Your math is better than mine. Yeah, so if she does it six times, at the end of the six donations, instead of having 200,000 eggs, she'll have 199,970. Uh, 900 eggs or so left over, which she can, which is still plenty for her own So that was Dee Galati and Brenda Garcia from Surrogacy for All. The increasing normalisation and marketing of surrogacy as an option can result in sometimes complex choices and consequences for the intended parents. I met Ralph from New York City, who chose to have three children through surrogacy before the change in the law. In 2009, a surrogate from Maine carried twins on behalf of Ralph and his husband. And in 2012, a second surrogate gave birth to their third child in Minnesota. Our first surrogate would have done it again, but she had already had two kids of her own, carried twins, triplets and twins as a surrogate. And she was 40 at this point. So. Twins and then triplets. Yeah. But she was one of those people who sort of like, this was just her thing. I mean, she just really, this was part of her identity as to who she was about these babies who she carried. She's a little dotty, <laughs> but I mean, we speak with her about twice a year. She, we see her, she was down for the kids' name uh, in September. And um, uh, Abby's surrogate lives in Louisiana now. And I email her about every three or four months, something like that. So both con the contact with both of them is instigated by us. Mm -hmm. And and I, our egg donor lives in Pennsylvania, and uh, I I know who she is because I went after af after communicating with her via the agency for a long time. I asked the agency to please ask her if we could communicate directly. And she said yes, and so we've been exchanging emails once a year. You know, it's a little awkward because it's we've, we've done this intimate thing together, but we don't know each other at all. I've never met her in person. Um, but all of this is done so that the kids, when they, who don't really care about any of it, that when they become of age, someday they will, and we will have laid this out for them. How did you tell the kids? 
we told them the way you uh, tell a lot of kids lots of things. We started telling them stories about it before they could even process the language about it. Right. It just it was just just like you know, grandma lives in Oregon. You were born through surrogacy. It was just like just over and over and over again, so that they just or they just had it as part of their. DNA basically. And they've never really scrutinized you about what it is or well, no they, they well they the, the thing that comes up is at school, kids will tell them who's your mother? Say they say we don't have a mother. And then they say well, no, no, everybody has a mother. So and I I've tried to give them this language to say you don't have a mom. You do have a mother. You have a you have a biological mother and you have a surrogate mother. But that's really hard for them to mm. sort of just. But again, that's about giving them this language to be able to hold themselves when they're with their peers. And I know it's hard it, 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 for um, both of them have had instances where they came home and a little not upset, but they reported it. So it was enough to sort of raise, you know. Some, you know Do you think that they're upset because? It's anti-gay, like, how weird is it to have two dads? Or it doesn't sound like that kind of school. No, no, it's not that kind of... I don't think it's about anti-gay. It's, it's about... Kids in elementary school coming to sort of, you know, learn things on their own and quickly jumping from learning them to being adamant about them. Mm. You have to have a mother. And the word mother is a... is a multi-layered word. It means something genetically, it means something biologically, it means something socially. And that's not easy for kids to sort of parse, you know, the differences between the meanings of, of a word that's just one word. So, when you had your children, did you have to circumvent any of the rules and regulations, legalities at the time, bearing in mind that? New York had not sanctioned we had commercial services. Right, we had to go. At the, when we started looking, we were living in New York City, and we knew we had to come to New Jersey to talk to a lawyer. We had a, a map in our heads from having read these are the 17 states we could consider going to. These are the ones that might be problematical. Right. In those days, it wasn't quite as prominent an issue. And so the, um, it felt like we were doing something sort of underground, even though we were not, we didn't circumvent anything. What do you think today when you see what's happening in Ukraine? I have always felt that surrogacy tourism was extremely problematical. I don't understand how you could hire a woman to be your surrogate, never meet her, never be able to speak to her, and never have any ability to touch with her after. How do you know that she's not being forced to do this by her husband? How can you know? So we wanted, we met all of our surrogates in person. We did went to their home, met their families. We wanted to know what they were in this for and how they spoke about it so that we could make that assessment ourselves. Um, it's not to say that we we have 100% certainty of that, but we felt certain. And we have the same same sort of threads with our egg donor as well. It's a delicate balance. What did you pay your surrogates? 
a lot less than what they what it costs now. Um, I, I think uh, it was approximately thirty thousand a year plus expenses. I don't know if that's still the this is a long time ago, but and the the entire the entire thing was we made the agency. Well, the first time we did it without an agency, we hired a lawyer. We sort of project managed it ourselves. Wouldn't recommend that. Was it a nightmare? Um, yeah, it was just so much stuff and um, about things that we don't know and about about dealing with um, uh, the clinics and dealing with laws and dealing with lawyers and the birth certificates and all that kind of stuff. So the second time we went through an agency, we did slightly more. It was probably about the first time it was probably about eighty thousand dollars. The second time it was probably one hundred twenty thousand, something like that. And uh, I think it's a lot more today. Yes. Uh, a lot more. Um, but that's also because it's become a thing. It's become a, a... Because it's so prominent with celebrities and the agencies themselves have a much more pretty up marketable package that they sell. Yeah, I went to a Brilliant Beginnings conference in London. Yeah. And they were all there. Very slick packages, like oh, you yeah. say. The Georgians with a... The Indians were there. Uh, there was everybody except for the Californians, because mm-hmm. they don't need to come and tout their business in the UK. You're either going to choose to pay top dollar by going to California, right. or you're going to be looking at the cheaper packages, which is where the market is mm-hmm. in you know in Europe. Right, and it. Um I think two things that have happened over the last ten years that are that are note, uh, notable. One is that there's been more attention paid to health risks of multiples. Mm-hmm. The treatment of surrogates as, as a matter of both process and law has gained more attention in, in every location. Um, but I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. Uh, about this, there are not any. I, you know, I know very well that there are no well-done longitudinal studies about the effects of fertility drugs on egg donors. And after our our egg donor had, uh, she had to have, she had a child of her own, and she donated for us twice, and then she wanted to have a child of her own, and discovered that she had a problem getting pregnant. Because I just felt terrible. I just like, I can't tell you. And so we went, this is before I was touching it directly, and I went to the, 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 our agent told us about it. And I said, I, can't, I went to her and said, went to the agent and said, tell her that whatever, whatever kind of treatment that she needs for her to help her get pregnant, will cover her. And, and there's no way to know. I mean, she got pregnant again. She had another child. Right. So I don't have that hangover. Right. But it would have really hugely hung over us. And that was the le- that was just not having a child. We're, not, we're talking about. We, I, I know. I've read about the stories about egg donors who donate too many times and have have suffered great harm from it. And so, and, there, and there's no there's no registry that. You have to 
clinics can just simply rely on a donor's word about how many times they've donated and say, okay, we'll goose you up again. Sure, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. And so there's still those elements that are that are that are outstanding. Um, Why do you think you've kept such an interest in the issues? Because it's it's complex. It's not black and white, and I it's intellectually interested in where where does this fall? You know, how do you? I, I'm not, I. Surrogacy is like the word mother that we were talking about before. It, it's a word that covers a lot of ground. And so um, I can't say, I, I can't simply say I'm for surrogacy or I'm against surrogacy because it's such a broad, complicated topic. The kind of people that you discovered when you were in India, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm against that. I mean, I think it should not be based yeah, on Of course. What we, but what we did, what Ken and I did, I'm proud of what we did. And also, you know how your, as far as you can, how your surrogates felt, how they were treated, how they fared. Same with your egg donor. Mm. And as you say, most people don't even want to know that, let alone can know it. Right. They just want. They just want a progress report. They, yeah. They just want the end result, and that's it. And that, that's their connection to it and they can then possibly probably pretend to themselves that it didn't even happen that way mm-hmm. right, well, you see that in the stories that the celebrity stories where they say someone they'll have that one sentence delivered via surrogate and then they have this whole big brouhaha about the, you know the baby presentation baby name as if this woman was just... That's right. When she had risked her life. That's right. And also the kind of smiling pictures of the you know, two men saying, we're pregnant. No, you're not. You're not. Yes, you're going to have a baby, but you're not pregnant. There's a woman who had the right to make that choice. To, and, you know, obviously I thought that for us, I thought the answer was yes. I can understand the opposite point of view. You see, that's not my question. Yeah. I do not ask that question if a woman has the right to make that choice. I ask the question if the intended parents have the right to ask for that or expect it. You, you say, you're actually fascinated the same way you were talking about the prostitution argument, which is yeah. it's, it's about whether or not the, not men here, but any intended parents have the right to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I think what's increasingly concerned me, and clearly this is not you, which is why I'm saying it to you, is gay men saying it's homophobic to deny that right. Yes, it's homophobic to say gay men shouldn't raise children. There's no two ways about that. But to use that as some kind of right is... It's, it's the wrong argument, right. in my view. I agree. I mean, I don't see any difference between whether it's heterosexual or homosexual in terms of the... the it's the same question. It's the same question. It's yeah. not, it's not well, and also the, 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 the biggest <laughs> growing group, I don't mean they make up the most numbers, heterosexual couples do, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's single men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And rich single, well, rich single men. 
men straight men yeah. rich single straight men yeah. and I'm not 100% sure why that makes me feel so deeply uncomfortable right that was Ralph who is obviously concerned about his children I'm concerned about all children born to surrogates None of the protections that reputable adoption agencies put in place before parents are approved, such as criminal background checks, mandatory participation in adoptive parenting preparation classes, assurance that the adoptive families are medically, financially and mentally stable, and comprehensive home visits are required. Although some surrogacy clinics may do these checks, there is no legal requirement for them to do so. Surrogacy is exploitation, whether it's carried out for profit or altruism. The harm to surrogate mothers is well documented, especially now that former surrogates are speaking out about their experiences. The law should reflect this and outlaw all formal surrogacy arrangements. The surrogates themselves, lured in by the promise of money and by suggestions that surrogacy is altruistic and they are helping a family, should never be criminalised but the brokers and other profiteers should. The buying and selling of women's bodies for reproduction is supported by many on the left, a notable exception to their usual critique of capitalism and exploitation. In fact, surrogacy in the US is celebrated and seen as little different to purchasing an airline ticket. The women in the system have no name, no voice, no identity. The state allows the trafficking of their reproductive system with a high risk of maternal mortality, protecting only her right to be paid. The surrogacy trade is similar to the sex trafficking and mail-order bride industries in that the female body, in one way or another, is the merchandise for sale. See you next time.